Praise the Lord. I was, uh, had another message ready, but this morning as I was uh, driving in, my wife, um, normally I drive, but my wife drove this morning and I was able to sit in the passenger seat and just be still and pray. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to, and that sermon is not for this Sunday, son, it's for a future Sunday. He said, I want you to talk about unity. I want you to talk this morning to the people about them responding to unity. Now, I've called this the power of unity, but really we could also call it responding to unity because without your response, it doesn't work. And that's why that song come up in my spirit, Beyond the Open Door. Uh, Beyond the open door, there's a new and fresh anointing. Hear the Spirit call it. Now, there was a, a new and fresh anointing that came on December 12th with that mantle. And we hear the Spirit uh, calling us to go through that door. Now, we've technically gone through that door because that anointing came on December the 12th. But that, um, that door, that effectual door opened on December the 12th. And that anointing came on December the 12th. That's that new and fresh anointing that we're singing about, honey. That's what we've been preparing for all year. That's really what we've been preparing for for all of these many, many years. Amen. That we've been uh, 16 years to be exact since 2004 when that first marked anointing in, in Peru came on me by Dr. Dufresne. That's when it first came. That's when he talked about the ants. And then, of course, it came in a greater measure six years later in 2010 when this roof disappeared and he had the vision. And then six years later, we had finished God's qualification period and we entered into a four-year season of 17, 18, 19, and 20. And uh, 20 was that year to pick it up. But the culmination of all that was December the 12th. That was when that new anointing came. That is when the door opened. And that new anointing that came on us as we've just sung, the Holy Spirit was calling us. Uh, would, you, would you not just pay the price to get the anointing, but will you then walk in the anointing? It's one thing to pay the price to get it. We've done that. But if we don't now walk in and walk through that door, in other words, when we, when we got the anointing, the door opened and we stood at the threshold and that anointing came on us. But there's a whole room. There's many rooms. There's a whole house, so to speak, for us to explore with that new anointing. That's why he's saying, will you go? I hear the spirit calling and we say, I will go. We are going to go through that door. We've got the anointing, but there's much to explore now and much to do with that anointing. It's not enough just to get it and stand in the doorway or in the foyer, so to speak. We have to go into the, to the rooms that God has furnished for us with that anointing and, and use that anointing to fulfill his plan. That's why he's saying, will you go? I hear the spirit calling, will you go? And, and we say, I will go. And so we know the Lord goes before us because we're not trying to figure this out on our own. He already knows exactly what he's doing. All we have to do is follow. It's actually quite easy. The problem happens, Jenny, when people start coming up with their own ideas and trying to come up with their own, their own creative thought processes, when all you have to do is just do what he says. He's already, he already knows best. He's smarter than us, and he's gone ahead of us. So we just follow him. So the Lord goes before us and leads us into this power. See, so that anointing, that new and fresh anointing, has, a, has, a, has the ability to produce wonders and signs, miracles and power that we've never experienced before. And so that, 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 that new door we're going through with that anointing, the Holy Spirit calls us. We, we have to agree. We'll go. 
This is what I, this is what I felt the Lord, reason he wanted me to play, sing that song, you sing that song with us, because it was a prayer this morning. It was a prayer of agreement for you to say out of your own mouth, having your own ears, ears hear you, saying, I will go. See, that's what unity is. It's when you hear the call and you say, I'll do it, I'll go. And he's calling us, will you go? Will you move forward? Will you go past the foyer? And will you go into this, into this mansion? The many rooms of this season, see Ziglag was a mansion, a house, and Hebron is another house, and Jerusalem is another house. We have three houses symbolically in this, in this ministry. And the first house we have, we have navigated sufficiently. Then we ended end of 19, and we entered a new house in 2020. And then we got into that first room of that house. It's almost like the way the Lord showed it to me, Taylor, is like, you know, you go into this some homes, I don't know, you don't see them as often anymore, but you, there's some homes where you go and there's like a storm door. You go through and you're, in, you're not even in the house yet, you're in a storm door. You go through the, the door and that's where you take your shoes off, hang your coats, and that's where all the mess and the mud and the, and the guck and everything goes. And you haven't even entered the main door of the house. You're in like a storm area. I don't know if you've ever seen houses like that. Usually the older ones or the more palatial ones have that where they don't want you to track this stuff into the main house. There's almost like a storm area, especially winter homes have that. And that's what I saw 2020. 19, we were in a totally different home. But in 2020, we entered into a storm door, but we hadn't really entered in. We were just entering into the season. We were doing the preparatory work. You do the preparatory work to get into the house by taking your coat off, by taking your shoes off. Amen. And you see how the Lord showed it to me? Yeah. Because what were we doing? Taking our shoes off. That's right. We were in the preparatory. We were in the storm door. That's, that's the place where we were taking off the garments of flesh. Remember, Elisha ripped his garment. We were taking off the garment of flesh. Remember, Moses took off his shoes. We were taking off the shoes of flesh, your fleshly shoes, like my wife sang on November the 1st, we, on whatever that was, was it the November the 1st that you sang Sunday? And that's what we were doing in this 2020 year. We had entered in to the very first mini room, if you want to call it, although it's not even technically a part of the house, but it is a part of the house because it's part of the structure, but it's not really part of the house from another perspective. And we've entered into that place yes. and we're taking off our garment of flesh and off our shoes of flesh like you take off winter boots and a coat. And in that place, we prepared ourselves, Jenny, and we walked right up the doors there and we walked right up to that threshold. And on December the 12th, that door opened. That whole year we were waiting for the door to open. On December the 12th, the door opened. The door opened as the door opened, that fresh and new anointing came on us. Now we stand in the doorway. We stand right now, I'm speaking to you by the Spirit. We stand in the doorway of that room. And now we're looking out and we're seeing, we can only see part of it like you'd only see part of a house, even a palatial house, even a mansion house. When you're standing in that doorway, you can only see the foyer. You can maybe see another room off to that side, another room off to that side. But you can't see every room. You can't see the basement. You can't see the upstairs. You can't see every room, but you can see some. And we're standing in that doorway. The door has opened. The anointing has come. We're standing in the threshold, so to speak, and God is looking at us and saying, will you come or are you going to stay in the doorway forever? I want you to enter in. I'm calling you. We hear the Spirit calling. Will you come into the house and explore what this anointing has been given to you for? And we're saying, we will come. We will enter in one accord, in one mind, in one heart, in one soul, in one spirit. As a congregation, we will enter, Father. That's what unity is all about. We're entering 
bring in. And we're going to explore one room, and when we're faithful in the one, he'll move us to another, and he'll move us to another. And in the six and a half years remaining, because he told me Hebron will be seven and a half years, it's an exact parallel to David. In the six and a half years remaining, we're going to, experience, we're going to explore all these rooms. Amen. And then we're going to move to the last house and the bigger house, the biggest house, and that's going to be the Jerusalem years, which is going to be the last day move of God. And once we've explored those rooms, he calls us away. We'll hear the trumpet and we'll be gone. But we have to be faithful. We were faithful in Ziglag and we've been promoted. We must be now faithful. We can't be weary in well-doing, for we will reap in due season if we faint not. So if there's a fainting in you, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. If there's a tiredness in you, I say be strengthened in Jesus' name. If there's a wandering attitude in you, I say let the office of the pastor gather you in Jesus' name as we're in this doorway. Be gathered and be strengthened and be planted in one mind and go in with me for we stand at the edge of greatness. We stand at the edge of a brand new season. We're right there. That's how he showed it to me. And I have never seen that imagery before where that storm door and you took off the stuff that you shouldn't have on because the coat and the winter boots is inappropriate for inside the house and the flesh and the carnality is inappropriate inside this new season. But as soon as that door opened, that anointing came and now we stand. Now the Lord said to me last night, now these things coming together because I didn't know why he was, so I knew why he was saying it, but I didn't see how it would fit in the sermon I planned on preaching this morning. But now that I see the way he's leading me this morning to talk about this new subject, now I can see why he said what he said. Now, this, 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 uh, this thing he said to me last night is he said there's been a great season of strain. His actual word was rigor. He said, you have accomplished the season of rigor. What is he talking about? All of 2020. 2020 was a year of rigor. It was a year of un unusual actions. It was a year of stress and strain in many ways. It was a year of forcing ourselves not to look at the chariot of fire and keeping our eyes on Jesus. It was a year of ripping fleshly garments and positioning for the mantle. And we have accomplished it. He said, this season of rigor is past. He said, and the season, which has only been, what, uh, 19 days, whatever it was, December 12th to December 31st, this season of celebration, this season of joy, because he said, I want you to rejoice and relax and, and enjoy yourself after you get this mantle until the end of the year. It's a very short season. It's like a, little, like, a little, like a little vacation, like a little honeymoon, so to speak. Just, a two, just two, three weeks, not even three weeks. He said, now the season of rigor has passed. He's talking about 2020 and all the positioning of leading up to receiving that open door and that mantle. And he said, and the season of celebration has passed. Doesn't mean that we can't celebrate. That doesn't mean there'll not be little mini seasons as we go. But what he means is this, the sense that you've had some, where you can't, I couldn't seem to fast even though I wanted to, but I couldn't seem to do it in the end of December, even though I was willing to, but there was just no, there was no unction. There was no anointing. There was no, there was no, there was just nothing there in my spirit. And I don't, didn't want to just do it out of my flesh. I wanted it by the spirit. And, and, and that season was just a time to enjoy the family, enjoy my boys and enjoy food, enjoy fellowship. And, and so we couldn't enjoy it as much because we couldn't see you all, but the little bit that we could enjoy, we enjoyed. And there's been a sense, Jenny, for the last two, three weeks, like, you know, things are just, things are just mellow. There was such a uh, strain before, like pressing, a pressing, like I'm in a race and I'm pressing for that mark and I'm putting my nose out like those runners do. And we cross the finish line. And then there's what? 
There's no pressing after that. They run around with their flag and they're laughing and they're joking. And Usain Bolt, you know, is doing the, the cameras and everything. You know what I'm saying? There's a time, that's what we did the last two, three weeks. But then I heard the Lord last night say, now that season of joy and celebration is, is over. Not that we don't joy and celebrate, but that attitude, that attitude of mellowness has come to an end. And he said to me, he said last night, now this really applied to January 1st, but he said to, to me last night, which was the 2nd of January, right? Well, last night was the 2nd, today's the 3rd. He said to me, uh, now pull up your socks, meaning now get moving, son. The rigor is over. The celebration is over. Now it's time to move. It's time to rally the congregation. We're in a new year. Amen. Whatever you thought about 2020, positive or negative, forget about it. It's over. It's never coming back. Amen. I know some of the things seem to still be here, like the COVID and the this and the that, but get your eyes off that and get your focus on we are looking not who cares what's happening in the front yard? I'm not in the front yard. I'm in the doorway of this mansion. I don't care what's happening out there. I'm not going to put my attention on the sirens and what's going on because the police are chasing some guy down the street. That's outside. That's the world system. I'm in a doorway looking into a new house. I'm looking into a new room, a palatial mansion, and there are treasures, and there are, there are special things of God in that room that I cannot operate in, that you cannot receive and operate in without a special endowment, and that's the anointing we've received. You can't enter that house without the anointing to enter it. First of all, God won't let you. He has to give you entrance. You can't force the entrance. We're not thieves and robbers that break into the plan of God. God leads us in, and faithfulness is the key to the open door. Now, we've been faithful and obedient. We're willing and obedient. We've had the right attitude and we've done what God has said. We're not perfect. We've made many mistakes and all of you are saying amen right now as well as me because we're not perfect and we've made many mistakes, but overall the bigger picture because God looks at the heart, not at every little mistake you make. We have been faithful. We have been willing and obedient and we have done what God has said. We've trans, tra we, we've, we've, uh, we've, we, what's the word I'm looking for? We've migrated from Ziglag to Hebron and we are now here in a new place and I heard the Holy Ghost say the rigor of it's over. The celebration is over. Now it's time to work. Tell, rally the congregation. Get the people with you. That office of the pastor, that anointing. Father, I'm trusting you. I can't do this without you. Words alone are cheap. Words alone can do nothing. Lord, I know because I've seen Tony Robbins. And as wonderful as he is, his words have no anointing on them. It's soul power only. And soul power only goes so far. It goes, but only so far. But the Spirit's power goes the distance. Lord, they're not even here for me to look at their eyes. I'm trusting you, Father, that the anointing on the office of the pastor, even though they're watching screens, will supernaturally gather them according to Matthew 11. It will supernaturally strengthen them and that they will hear in the spirit, in their hearts, as well as their physical ears, the cry, the rallying cry of their leader to say, come on, we're watching, we're waiting on God, we're seeing into this new room. Now he's calling us, will you go with me? Will you go with me in unity? Will you go with me in the anointing? Will you come with me? Because we can't, we can't just, eh, well, when COVID is over, it could be six months before it's over. You'll lose things if you wait. Amen. If we had had the attitude when COVID was over, we wouldn't have got the mantle right. because we would have got our eyes on the chariot of fire. Right. We couldn't look at COVID and when it was going to be over. We had to keep pressing in 2020 and we have to keep pressing in 2021. That's right. 
for we stand at the brink of the Jordan River. This is our 2021. This is the year where we will, with expectation and demand, say the power of God must work. And we will smite it and it will work. We stand poised in our 13th year, on our 13th revolution around Jericho. And this is where we say, Lord, we believe that it will work and we shout and the power of God moves. This is what this year is all about. Two images, the Jordan River and the walls of Jericho. Now you're at a third image. You're at a door of entrance with me. Are some of you going to slink back into the front yard? Are some of you going to slink back into the storm door and put your winter boots back on and get back in the flesh and say, well, that was cool. We've never done a fast before. That was cool. But now that's over. I'll just put my shoes back on and get ready for regular living again. Or are you going to stay without your shoes on with me? You're going to stay in your socks. You're going to stay there in the doorway. And you're actually going to take your first step with me because we have to do it together. Listen, I know that not all of you will go with me, but I know that enough of you will go with me to honor God and that God won't, 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 the things won't be aborted, Jenny, because not everybody listens. God knows not everybody listens. That's why he constantly calls things a remnant. He will honor the whole for the few. As long as a few go, when I say a few, I'd like all. It's God's best that all go. But he'll, he'll do at least a few. There were 500 invited to the day of Pentecost. But there was only about a quarter that showed up, which was 120. Did God abort the whole thing because not everybody was faithful? No, he did it because of the remnant. And what did he say? Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any parables. There's four kinds of soil and they represent your heart and only one kind produces. So about one and a quarter is the remnant, give or take. And we saw that with the book of Acts. It was about a quarter, not exact, but about a quarter of the, of, of, of the 500 invited. Amen. 125 would have been exactly a quarter, so it was a slice under it. But, we, but there was about a quarter of the people because their hearts were right. I don't know what happened, Jenny, to the other, to the other 375 or 80, whatever, 380, I guess. What happened to them? I guess they got distracted with COVID. I guess they had to go buy a new mask. I guess they had to go and do their education. Nothing wrong with education or buying a mask, but there is something wrong with being distracted. Don't be part of the 380 on the day of Pentecost and for all eternity, it's a shame to you that you missed it. Don't be a Thomas that couldn't believe and wasn't there when Jesus showed up the first time. Don't be a Thomas and don't be the 380. Be with me, stay with me and let's move. I had a good sermon ready. I don't think any of it's going to come out, but that's okay. I felt the Holy Ghost prompt me on two things. I'm going to read you one scripture in a second. But I felt him prompt me about a couple things that are important that you need. I really b- believe, Jenny, that they need to hear this. With all my heart, I believe they need to hear this. Amen. That there is, a, um, there is a psalm. Do you know I wrote my first psalm? Amen. I know that sounds weird. That <laughs> sounds very weird. But uh, on one of the days of the fast, I forget which one now, it's in my notes. But on one of the days of the fast, I was sitting there in my chair in my room that I sit in usually to pray in. And uh, I heard the anointing came on me. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, uh, like David wrote Psalms, my anointing is on you right now to write. And it's never happened in my life before and it's never happened since. It might never happen again. Because I, I'm, I'm, I don't see my, I'm not David. I mean, he's used symbolism, but you know, David's David. I'm me. I'm, we're in different covenants. We're different people. But, he, but I don't know why if he did it symbolically because of all the symbolism he's used about David in my life. I don't know. But he said, as they know and came on him. And I understand now how David wrote the Psalms because I know what it, now of course, his is in the canon of scripture. Lots of people can write Psalms when the anointing comes on them. You wrote a Psalm called We Honor You. 
but that's not in the canon, the canon of Scripture. We can't use that. But, I mean, if you'd lived 3,000 years ago, that might be in the canon of Scripture. It's all a matter of time because the anointing is the anointing. And the Bible keeps writing. It does. When you get to heaven, you're not going to find 66 books because Acts never ends. And the Acts of the Apostles continues with the church. I believe the Acts will be the longest book in the Bible by far with probably thousands of chapters. David Hogan will have a whole chapter himself. Can you imagine what things, because if he, lived if he lived at the time of the apostles and he wrote because of what his revelation of Dad Hagen wrote, that would probably be included in the canon of scripture. So it's a matter of time. The anointing is the anointing, but time limits certain people out of the canon of scripture and others in. Do you understand? But God can still anoint people today to write just like he anointed them then to write. It's just that right now, because we don't want to get confusion going on here, we keep the Bible, the Bible, and that's the right way to do it. But what I'm saying is I understand how David wrote because when the anointing comes on you, David didn't actually, not, it's even stronger in the New Testament because he didn't have the spirit in him. But, but, but with just the spirit upon him, it would have operated in a certain power. But with the spirit in you and on you, it can operate even stronger. Do you understand? That's why Paul in the New Testament had the Spirit in him and on him, and look what he, look what, the, but I understand just a little bit more what it feels like, because when he said that to me, words came up out of my spirit. I didn't author them. Right. That had absolutely nothing to do with me. I would hear words come up like a, like a little bubble in a pool, and when it got to my mind, I wrote it down. It was as simple as that. It's almost like there's no credit that can be given to a human. The Holy Ghost authored it. He just penned it. He had to pen it through somebody with hands and, a, and flesh and blood. And that's what he did with David. But in this psalm, I won't read you all of it, but I want to read you one section because I, it was a very strange phrase. I said, I don't understand uh, what, what you're talking about. And I, do, and I still didn't for quite a long time. I didn't understand what this meant. And so I, I wrote this, and I'm not going to read maybe all of it. Let me just see here. I, I'm trying to find it. I wrote it down as Craig's first psalm. There we go. Craig's first and only psalm. <laughs> but uh, this was after God. I can't give you the message because this was one chapter in the Bible he gave me, and he spoke nine things to me through this chapter. And it was the, the central theme of the entire fast. Everything was in this chapter, and everything that he talked about in the fast had different aspects about this chapter. But he said, don't preach this until you see the people's eyes. So I can't tell you the chapter or preach that right now. But he had just been giving that to me the day before, and, and I woke up that morning, and I was so overcome with, with, with gratitude at what he had given me and what he had revealed to me and what he had confirmed to me and new things he had given me. And, and as I'm sitting there on my chair, just worshiping him, just saying, Lord, I don't know how to thank you for what you've spoken to me through your scripture, the surest word of prophecy. I thank you. I praise you. I heard, um, I heard uh, like David, I, I, I want you to write a psalm. Now, don't get me wrong. If you know my heart, you understand I'm not, I'm not uh, a weirdo. I'm not a nut job, and I'm not trying to say that this is scriptural, okay? I'm just saying this is words that God gave me. But I understand how people wrote the Bible because when God comes on you, it's just, you're just a pen, you're just the pen. Because, or a song, you're just the pen, you're just the voice, you're just the preacher because it came from him. And so the word, the first paragraph represents a gratitude and a heart of gratitude for what he had showed me the day before. And so this is what it says. Thy words are too lofty for me. They are too precious for my eyes. I bask in the glory of them. I soak up their truth that you would remember your son, that you would honor your servant. My heart rejoices in your loving kindness and in your tender mercies I look to you all the day long. Now remember, 
Greer prophesied afterward, because of his tenderness in the wilderness, you oft cry. And, and, and I didn't even know what was going on, but I would cry all the way through the fast and I didn't know why. I thought there was something wrong with me. And see, these words come out of my spirit. I didn't understand them until Greer said it weeks later. But these words come up out of my spirit. The Holy Ghost was speaking these words. My heart rejoices in your loving kindness, kindness, and in your tender mercies, tenderness. I look to you all the day long. Thy presence do I seek above all. Now these words come up and I didn't understand them. But I, but I wrote them even though I didn't understand them. The noise of the rider, the bustle of the beehive, but thou art with me. My eye is fixed, my forehead like flint, my gaze steadfast to fulfill thy will and to accomplish thy task. Have not all the ones that have risen against thee fallen? Yes, O God, for thou hast said, no man shall stand before thee all the days of thy life. So I rejoice in thee, my strength, my sword, my victory to the uttermost. I rejoice in thee, my God, my salvation, the strength of my life and my portion forever. And as I'm writing, I'm thinking, this is cool. This is cool. And I, I wanted it to keep going. I'm like, this is cool. He wrote one that was really long, Psalm 119. Lord, this is cool. But as soon as those last words, and my portion forever, it was just like, I don't know how to, it was like a cap, like a lid on a bottle, like a cap on a well. It just stopped. But I, I'm telling you, I, I did not author those words. I heard them come up out of my spirit and I wrote them down. Praise God. Now, that, this is really Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We are told to write psalms oh, yes. by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean you get weird and try to make it like actually part of the canon of Scripture because it's not. It doesn't have that same authority for the body of Christ. But you know what? It has authority in your life. Oh, yeah. Psalms is when the Holy Ghost does that. It comes on you to write psalms. Hymns are singing. With, and then spiritual songs are spontaneous songs that you sing. So when you wrote your song, A Great Awakening, Jenny, that was, a, that was a hymn. God came on you to write a song, an established song that we would sing. But then sometimes when we just start to worship God, that's not an established song, but that's, that's, that's a spiritual song. It just kind of bubbles up and comes out. We may never sing it again. But then when you write things down that not, aren't necessarily a song, but there's something as words to strengthen and encourage your life, they're a psalm. Oh, yeah. And that is a psalm. So I'm scriptural in the New Testament to write psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What I'm simply saying is, it's just for me. It's not necessarily, maybe for this church to some measure, which you'll understand in a second, but it's not for the body of Christ. It's not a psalm in the canon of scripture. It's a psalm for my life. And according to Ephesians, uh, I have a right by the Spirit to write psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Because it strengthens and God uses it to help my life. Do you understand? And it's very important that you get in the Spirit and you do that. Now, I've, I've said many things by the Spirit before, but it's never been that strong. It's never been like every single word. I could hear every, usually it's like a ball and I'm trying to, I'm trying to put meat on the bones and I'm, 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 I'm adding my interpretation on things. But, off, but that's, that's more... That's like an interpretation. But this is more like the gift of prophecy. This is very precise and distinct words. Every single word was precise and distinct. Yeah. And so I, I kept looking at this phrase, the noise of the rider, the bustle of the beehive, but thou art with me. My eye is fixed, my forehead like flint, my gaze steadfast to fulfill thy will and to accomplish thy task. And I, I said to the Lord all the way through the fast, what does that mean? 
I don't understand what that means. What does, I mean, I understand the, the eye fixed and forehead. I know that, that's obvious. It means you're focused. But what does noise of the rider mean? That's a weird way of saying it. He didn't answer me. I said, what does the bustle of the beehive mean? He didn't answer me. It wasn't until the fast was over, me and you were driving down to the church, but I can't remember what day it was. Was it maybe the, was it maybe the 13th? Was it the morning of the 13th? Or was it the morning of the 20th? I can't remember. Or maybe it was in the middle of the week we were coming for meetings. I can't remember. But it was after the fast. We were driving down in the van on the way to the church. Maybe it was the morning of the 13th. I don't know. But we were driving down and I was saying to her, Jenny, I don't know what this means. The bustle of the beehive and the noise of the rider and God won't answer me. But if he gave it to me, it's obviously for me. He's got to tell me. And just like that, the word of the Lord came to me. Why it didn't come in the fast? I don't know. Maybe you had to be there, Jenny. But the word of the Lord came to me just as I was driving and I heard it. The, and the, the, I heard the definition as clearly as I heard the phrase when I wrote it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you keep thinking the noise of the horse. Because when I thought about it, it's, it's, I know a rider means somebody on a horse, right? And I kept thinking, maybe it's the noise of war. Like you hear that horse galloping and it sounds like majestic. It sounds powerful. And I kept thinking, but what does that mean? And he said to me, you keep thinking, you keep thinking to yourself the noise of the horse, which is true. That's, all I, that's how I equated it in my brain. And he said, I didn't say that. I said, the noise of the rider. I said, but the rider don't make no noise. It's the horse that makes the noise. Well, when do you hear a rider making a noise? They're riding. It's the horse that makes the sound of the gallop. I said, Lord, I don't understand. And I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, do you remember that scene? Now, listen, you've got to understand God. God can use things that you may, that may not always be. God can use scenes and imagery to speak to you and pull it out of something else because you've seen it. Not that it was his perfect will for you to see it because there might be other stuff that you shouldn't be seeing. Do you understand? But he, he reminded me of a movie that I watched years ago and not all the scenes are pleasing to Jesus and I don't mean sexual in any way or swearing. There was not one swear word and there was not one sexual scene. But it was just, you know, it's, it's ancient world. It's, you know, around the time of Jesus and there's fighting and, and there's, you know, people in war and with all that kind of stuff, there's, there's bloodshed. And I don't know if that's very pleasing to God. Okay, you understand? But, but he, he, he pulled a scene from that movie right at the very beginning. And he said, do you remember that scene? And I said, I do remember that scene. He said, do you remember when you watched it in the theater? I mean, this is back in the 90s. He said, or, or the early 2000s, he said, do you remember when you watched it in the theater, the anointing came on you and you were surprised? And I thought, that's one of the only times ever in my life I'm watching a secular movie and the anointing came on me and then lifted off me. And it was very unusual because I knew God was trying to communicate to me something about that scene. But the, then I felt like, well, the rest of the movie isn't always that pleasing to God. Some of it was fine. Some of it wasn't that fine. But God is, is beyond legalism. He was pulling out something to communicate to me. And he said, you remember that scene? I said, I remember that scene. He said, you remember you felt the anointing come off you and lift off you in that theater? I said, I do remember that. He said, I, I said, Lord, I've never really understood what that meant even to this day. He said, that's the noise of the rider. In that scene, there are cavalry units. You know what cavalry is? They ride horses. Infantry, they are on the ground. They walk. 
But the, there was a cavalry unit and the leader of the army was on the horse. He was, the, he was many times leaders because the cavalry unit was more like a, like a specialized unit. It was more of a wealthy, you had to be wealthier to be in that unit. And it was the more the, the, the peasants and the lower ranks that would walk. But the ones that were higher class would ride horses. And they were usually knights and they had, now this was long before the time of the knights, this is around the time of Jesus. So they weren't knights, but they would have better armor and they would have horses because horses you were going to survive more if you're on a horse than if you're hand-to-hand on, on the ground. So this, usually the generals and the leaders would be on horses. And this general of the army was on a horse and there was a whole line of cavalry, maybe 50, 100, I don't know, but it was a whole line of cavalry with him. And the battle was in front and they were riding to the battle and he's, he gives a little speech, you know, and then, he's, and then they start to ride. They start to ride toward the battle. And as they're riding and they're riding through kind of like a forest. So there's, there's things that can, there's trees and there's stumps and, and, and they could easily get diverted. Do you understand? That, that line that has to stay in a line when they approach the enemy, they have to be in a line. They have to be in unity because if they're too dispersed, they won't be as effective in that attack on the enemy. But because they're riding through a forest, there's many opportunities for them to kind of break away from each other because of the obstacles. They're not just riding straight in an empty field. And as he's riding, I'll never forget it even to this day, as he's riding, Jenny, and all the men are riding with him, right? And he calls to them and he says, stay with me. He's yelling, stay, because he can see some of them because of the obstacles, they're breaking away. And he's calling to them, stay with me. In other words, stay close to me. Get your horse back in line. Stay right on my flank. Stay right beside me. We cannot enter the battle with you way over there and you way over there because they'll surround you and kill you. But if we enter together, if we enter as a group, if we enter as a line, an unbroken line, we will win. And he was calling to them, stay with me. Stay with me. I'll never forget that. The anointing came on me and lifted off. I've never wondered, I've always wondered why he's never answered me. Then he gives me this phrase, the noise of the rider. He wouldn't answer me. But on with the 13th of whatever it was of December, I heard the Lord speak to me. Do you remember that? I said, yes, Lord. He said, do you remember that anointing? I said, yes, Lord. He said, that's what it means, son. The noise of the rider. He said, you are the rider. He said, the people are riding with you into war. But if the people splinter off, and get distracted and get discouraged and get removed just because of obstacles. COVID is an obstacle. Losing your job is an obstacle. Getting offended with somebody in the church, God forbid me, is an obstacle. If they get distracted, the power of that cavalry unit is diminished. And somebody has to call to them. In my life, Pastor Nancy is the rider. And she calls to me physically and in the spirit. Stay with me. Ride with me, enter war with me, and we will win. The devil is afraid of us. We will win. We will accomplish the assignment of God. And I, in your life, am the rider. I am the general. I am the pastor of this church. I'm the one that God appointed and that you elected. When I say elected, we don't have elections, but you elected it with your feet. You, you elect me every week by keep on coming. God appointed me. You can't kick me out, but you elected me as your leader by your faithfulness. And you, you need a leader. We need leadership. And the leader or the writer has to tell the people, there's going to be a tendency to split off. There's going to be a tendency to get discouraged, to fall back or to go too fast. Some are trying to go ahead of me. Pastor, we got to do this. we got to do this. Stay with me. 
Some are falling behind because of this and they're discouraged and they're, stay with me. Some are getting off to the left and they're getting off to the right and they're getting off into other doctrines. Stay with me. The leader calls to you this morning. Stay with me. Let us ride as one. Let us ride together. When he said to me, tell them about the power of unity, I wasn't planning on saying this, but as, as we were singing that song, it come up in my spirit, tell them about the noise of the writer, because that's what the noise of the writer is all about. It's about the call for unity. I, won't, I want to get it going, so I won't waste time talking about this other stuff. But then he said to me, and the bustle of the beehive, son, he said, your life and your brain is like a beehive. You ever heard a beehive? You ever know the sound of a beehive? Yeah. It's not just a single buzz. It's thousands of buzzes. It's, it's like a noise. I don't know how to describe it. If you've never heard it, go online and listen to a beehive on YouTube and you'll hear it. And the Lord said to me, you're so busy. Just like in that beehive, there's constant comings and goings. He said, that's what you're like. He said, there's two things that are going to help you in this season. One, the people must stay unified and you must call to them. And two, you must control the beehive. You must control the busyness. You must control the comings and goings. In other words, you must slow down so that you can wait on me and receive what I have for you. Because busyness and distractions will cost you the anointing. I'm telling you. Now, did you notice? See, I didn't understand this, but since the Holy Ghost penned it, now it makes more sense. The noise of the writer calling to them in unity. The bustle of the beehive controlling the busyness of your life. But thou art with me. He's with me to help me control the beehive. He's with me to anoint me. What I can't do, he is with me to cause my voice and my words to be impregnated with his power so that when you hear the call, stay with me, you stay. I don't mean to control. I'm not talking about manipulation or cult-like. I'm talking about the call of the spirit where you don't fall behind and you don't run ahead and you don't get to the left or the right, but we stay as a unit. Yes. What does unity mean? Unit. Right. We stay as a unit. That's right. We come into war as a unit. That means if you're not watching live stream, you're straying to the right. That means if you're not tithing, you're pulling back. That means if you're, if you're jibber-jabbing too much, you're pulling forward or you're trying to put pressure. There's so many things that will cause you to get away. Stay as a unit, unified. Thou art with me. His power will help gather the people. His power will help control the busyness. And then my eye is fixed. My eye is fixed because the people are with me, whether they're not or they are, but they will be. My eye is fixed. Not because I'm distracted with the bustle of the beehive. My eye, he's helping me control the business and he's helping with unity. My eye is fixed. I could say the people's eye is fixed. My forehead, like flint. Remember, he said to Je uh, Jeremiah, I believe, in chapter 1, he said, Put, make your forehead like flint, meaning flint is hard stone. That means stand your ground and don't you back down, not an inch, for anybody, even with the persecution, even with the devils, even with the religious devil spirits that possess Christians, or at least control Christians. You stand your ground and you don't budge. That's the, that's the flint, the hardness of the forehead. That's the eye fixed. That's the gaze steadfast.
to do his will. But he has to be with me to help me do that. Because the bus of the beehive will distract me, will cause my flint to turn to jello, will cause the words that people say. You know, even this, you know, this one person from years ago trying to help them, they're wrong, they're, they're not safe. I corrected them. They're not even coming to the church. But I was trying to rescue them, and they just rejected me, rejected the counsel, rejected the rescue. And in my heart, I just said, Lord, I'm unmoved by that. They're, they're lost. Their loss. You see, I have to maintain that focus and that flint, despite what people try to say. Because people will not mis- will misunderstand me, me and you. They misunderstand our motives. We might be pure, but they, they accuse us of false. So you you got to maintain a focus. But he needs to help you. Thou art with me to help the gaze be fixed. Are you with me? Yes. So I'm trying to say to you that there's a power in unity and part of it is the anointing on my life to rally. Now, every pastor has that to a measure, but I need to tell you something. Pastor Morgan Dufresne said to me years ago, she said, Pastor Craig, there's something about you. She said, I just want you to know whenever the Lord prompts us, because they do it the right way. Just because I'm there doesn't mean, if I'm there at Bible school, or that doesn't mean that automatically I preach at their church. Because they got so many people all the time, they couldn't have everybody preach at their church all the time because they couldn't afford it. Every time they do that, they have to, well, they don't have to. I tell them they don't have to, but they always, out of honor, want to give an offering and everything. And you can't do that in a local church, having people there every week. And they have people at the Bible school almost every week. So I know that that doesn't, just because you're there doesn't mean you're going to minister. And that's not a rejection if they don't ask you. And it's not necessarily a praise if they do. It's whatever the Spirit wants. So I trust, I, I trust them to hear. And if they don't, if the Lord doesn't prompt them, then they, don't, then they don't ask. And if the Lord does prompt them, I hope that they do ask. Sure. Okay? Same with Pastor Nancy and, and other scenarios that I'm with her in. I don't ever expect to minister. I'm there to serve. I'm there to receive. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But that's not why I'm there. I'm there to receive. I'm not there necessarily to give. But she said to me something in the back room, and she said it was right after I had preached one of their midweek services years ago. And she said, you know, every time the Lord prompts us to have you minister, she said, I just, I want to thank you. She said, there's an, a very unusual anointing on your life. And I said, well, well, tell me what your opinion of that is. I'd be interested to hear how you'd, how you'd explain that to me. She said, I don't know how to explain it. But, and she said, I'm not saying this is the only anointing. Obviously, there's many other aspects. The anointing has many tributaries and streams to it. But she says, it seems to me, she says that there's a rallying cry anointing on you. She says, when I hear you, I feel so inspired. She says, I feel like I want to shout, like I want to run faster, like I want to be more faithful, like I want to get in the trenches more. It's like a rallying cry. Come on. There's like an inspiration and an anointing, a power to run a race. And I'll never forget that. I mean, mean, nobody's really ever said that to me, but she said that to me and it stayed with me. It bore witness with my spirit. And so what I'm saying is I'm not surprised that the Lord used this phrase, the noise of the rider, because every pastor has an anointing to rally his congregation. But there's something on my life as a minister beyond Promise of Life Church congregation to rally. I don't know how, I don't know why God did that. I I didn't ask him for that. But there's some, I know when I go to Africa and I deal with, God gave me the the, the title for the ministry over there. It's not going to be promise of life Africa anymore. It's going to be sons of Africa. He said, name the ministry sons of Africa. You could say promise of life presents or something like that, but it's called sons of Africa. He said, they are sons of the land and they are sons of me and they are sons of you, spiritual sons. Now, when I go there, there's a rallying, there's an anointing to rally because, you know, there's so much division and every little, every little denominational ch- difference, they, they, they fight amongst each other and, oh, well, you don't believe that and I don't believe that. But the rallying cry overwhelms all of that. 
to bring them as an army to accomplish God's work. Well, that same rallying anointing is here. It's here to help you. I'm, I am the writer and there's a noise coming out of me. Can you hear it in the spirit? Not just with your physical ears. Can you hear the cry of the spirit to stay with me? Not to control and manipulate you, but because you're called to the army and you're on a horse. I'm not trying to get you from some other army or some other church. You're, you've come to this church, you're in this fold, you're part of this sheepfold, and you're on a horse and you're riding with me. So I'm not trying to control you. What I'm saying is don't get distracted. Stay with me. Amen. It's so important. If we're going to get through this door, we've got to do this. Amen. Now, the second thing the Lord prompted me is to read you, which again, I got, this is all happening while the song is being played. So that's sometimes how the Holy Ghost works, Taylor. He'll prompt a song. I knew we had to change the name. I, I told her, change the, this, the, 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 the graphic just a few minutes before I came into the room and she was so, so fast. Corinne does such a good job. So I knew that, but, but I didn't know really what, I knew you have some scriptures, but I didn't know what else. But you see, then the Lord prompts, sing the song. Now, if I hadn't have sung the song, none of this would have happened. But because I sung the song, because of that act of obedience, he starts to speak. So when he tells you sing a song in the morning, sing the song. Because there might be an instruction about what, not, what street you shouldn't drive on that day. There might be an instruction of what you shouldn't say to your boss that you were planning on saying. There might be an instruction of don't go there or do this or call this person. When you obey in the small things, instruction comes with the rest. So in that song, he said, tell them the noise of the writer. And he said, tell them about the pace. Now, again, I wasn't planning on sharing any of these two things until I was with them in person. But if the Spirit says it, despite the fact that there's pictures here instead of physical bodies, I have to do it. Amen. It doesn't matter that, that you're not here. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I heard the Holy Ghost say, share it, so I'm going to share it with you. I won't get into, it's a long thing, so I can't get into all the details. But basically, I was saying to the Lord on the Wednesday, which was the 38th day of the fast, I was starting to get a little bit afraid. Now, don't start judging me and say, oh, pastor, we don't have the spirit of fear, but a power live and a sound mind, perfect love casts out all fear. And you start quoting me 19 scriptures. I know the scriptures better than you. And by the way, I know where they're found and you don't. So, uh, so don't quote me your scriptures and be religious. When I say I get afraid, you get afraid too. Sometimes we just get afraid. We know all the scriptures, but there's concern that comes to us and we have to deal with it. The thing is we have to deal with it, not stay in it. And so I started to get concerned and I started to say, Lord, have we over-advertised this? Is, I mean, I know the anointing is coming. I know you've told me. I know you've given me very specific precision, precision instruction. But Lord, is this really going to be what, what I've said it's going to be? And I didn't even want to say it, by the way. You asked me to say it. I wouldn't have even have said it. All this time I've been talking about it. And some of it I'm very uncomfortable because it sounds so self-promoting. But you asked me to say it. So I'm doing what I felt you asked me to do. But I need to know, is this really going to, is this really going to be? Is there actually going to be anything that looks different, sounds different, is different in demonstration and manifestation than what we've had in the past? In my mind, I know the answer is yes, but I can't feel it. And I'm saying, Lord, I just, I'm starting to doubt a little bit and I don't want to doubt. I know the anointing's coming, but I just, I'm not a faker. I don't fake. If I buy jewelry, it's real. If I buy this brand, it's real. I, I don't like to act like something and it's not real. I said, I don't want to act like we've got a fresh anointing and then it's really not, it is a fresh anointing, but it's so minuscule that there's no, there's no notable change. And so I was pouring my heart out to him. That's when I say I was afraid, not really afraid, afraid, but I was pouring my heart out. And he gave me a number of scriptures, which I won't share today, to prove to me and prophetic words. So he spoke to me 
by the inward witness and by the authoritative voice of the Spirit and gave me scriptures to prove to me that as the, he said, it will build and grow. So don't look for there to be a dramatic change from the first day to the second day. But he said, over the weeks and months and years, that anointing will grow and grow and grow and grow. That mantle will grow and there will be a notable change. That's what I was concerned about, that we not false advertising. I hate false advertising. When we go to Niagara Falls in the, in, the, in the elevator going up for the keg, there's a picture of a man and a woman sitting there eating steak and lobster. And Niagara Falls, you know, the falls, is literally right behind them and they are on the same level as the falls. Like they could reach out and they could almost touch the falls. That's false advertising. Because I've been in that keg 28 times and there ain't one table that you're on equal footing with the falls. You're way up here and the falls are way down there. So why would they put that advertising like that? What they're doing is they're faking it. They want you to make, they want the people to come to feel like they're close to the falls, but they're not. I'm not gonna fake advertise nothing. I'm not going to say that we're going to have a stronger anointing if we're not going to have a stronger anointing. So I've said it by the Spirit, but now I'm starting to say, Lord, is this, <laughs> is this <laughs> real? And so he started giving me scriptures to settle my heart and speak to me. And I was done. He gave me like four of them. And I said, Lord, thank you. I'm, my heart is so relieved. I said, Lord, I'll just trust you. Now, I, now I, I knew, but now I know that I know that I know that I know. So I said, we'll just take time. We'll just let it grow. And I said, but I said, thank you, Lord. And then he said, I'll give you another one. I said, you don't need to give me another one. You've given me four. He said, your, your pastor prophesied this. I said, she prophesied about the mantle? I said, Dr. Dufresne prophesied about the mantle, not Pastor Nancy. He goes, no, Pastor Nancy prophesied. I said, but I know every prophecy she's given me. I've written it all down. She ain't no prophesied about the mantle. He said, yes, son, you just can't see it. I said, what are you talking about? He said, go back to the prophecies and I'll show you. So I went back to the, because to, I have them all listed here on my phone, and I went back to the prophecies and I saw here that Pastor Nancy prophesied over me in 2017, and she said, October the 16th, right here at Promise of Life Church, right at the beginning of that four-year season, and she said, the pace, the direction, and the momentum will be on the increase and the rise, and it will be notable in the change. And I said, I remember that, Lord, but uh, I couldn't really tell if that's happened or not. And I don't really see what much is notable. And he said, because he's talking about the mantle. I said, but it doesn't say the word mantle. It doesn't even say the word anointing. He said, yes, but the word pace means mantle. That's what he said to me. I wouldn't have known that. He was giving me the Rosetta Stone. I said, what do you mean pace means mantle? He said, what did I tell you is the definition of the mantle? An anointing on an assignment. He said, what does pace and increase of momentum mean? He said, when you're increasing your pace or your momentum, you are running faster. He said, what does that mean symbolically? You are doing more. What does that mean? You are doing more assignments. If you're increasing your pace, you're increasing your assignments. You're increasing the ground that is covered. You're increasing what you're accomplishing. Do you understand? Now, if, they, what your, if your assignments are increasing, how could you possibly have an assignment increase without an anointing to accomplish the assignment also increasing? So in order to have an assignment increase, you have to have a mantle. You have to have an increased anointing. Because the anointing is the anointing for that assignment. And I told you the mantle is an anointing on an assignment. So if the pace increases of assignments, you have to have an increased anointing. I said, I never saw it that way. He said, oh, I know there's lots that you don't see. 
He said, and the next prophecy, she said it eight times and you missed it. Eight times, Jennifer. So she said, now she said, I'm speaking to you through your pastor. He said, I said this way long before it ever happened. It will be notable in the change. You're asking me, will it be notable in the change? I've already given you the answer, October 16, 2017. Then the, the mantle, which, which means the pace, is going to be notable in the change. The momentum, the increase, the direction, it's going to be notable in the change. Then he said, now, now he said, go, go to the, she said, she has also given you one last year. Now, this is amazing to me. Taylor, I didn't even know, I knew the mantle was coming kind of, but at that time, I didn't know what I knew the next year. Every year he gave us more revelation. In October 17, I didn't really understand what I understood in 18. In 18, I didn't understand what I understood in 19. And in 19, I didn't understand what I understood in 20. And even in 20, I didn't understand all I understood until August the 2nd, when he explained to me about the plain of Jordan and Elisha. And even then, I didn't understand it was coming in, I just knew it was at the end of the year, but I didn't know when. Could have been the end of November, it could have been December, but I didn't know when. It wasn't until in the fast that he said it's coming on the 12th. This, you see, he grows in the progression of revelation. He doesn't just tell you all everything at one time. So he said, in 17, I put it on record, even though you didn't understand what it meant, because I wanted you to be able to look back and say, back in yonder 17, God talked about the mantle at the beginning of this four-year season because we had to qualify first. Why would he talk about the mantle if we hadn't qualified? This end of 16 was the end of qualification. So it would make sense that in the beginning of the, of the, of the post-qualification season, which was 2017, that he would speak about it. But I didn't really understand what he was talking about because I didn't interpret the word pace right. Then, of course, 17 passes, 18 passes. Now we come to 19, the year before. And he talks about it again. And he talks about it eight times in one prophecy, and I missed every one because I wasn't understanding that pace included and meant the mantle. And Pastor Nancy said on June the 12th, 2019, last year at camp meeting, she had me to stand up and she said these words. Can I read them to you? Pastor Craig, the pace that he has for you, the pace. Now remember, pace is the increase of assignment which requires an increase of anointing, which means by extension the mantle. Okay, so I'm going to count them for you. Pastor Craig, the pace that he has for you is going to be so accelerated, which requires the mantle. In other words, what we're going to do after the mantle comes. Yes. Now, she's saying this before the mantle has come because she's talking future tense. We didn't know it was coming December 12th, but God knew, and she's saying now, now obviously, whatever I thought might have been accomplished in 17 couldn't have been because she's using the same word in 19 as though it hasn't happened yet. So we know 17 was just put on record. And now this is another instruction, the last instruction. Many times God will give you a little, a little hors d'oeuvre and then a main dish. The little hors d'oeuvre was 17, one paragraph. The main dish was 19, four paragraphs. He's trying to get more information over to you to say, pay attention, it's about to happen. The pace, which is the mantle that he has for you is going to be so accelerated and so much quicker than what you've realized, uh, than what you've realized in this season. What he's going to be doing and probably has already been doing, but he's going to be doing even more of. He is telling you and giving you instruction of what to do so that you can come into that pace or that mantle that he has for you. It means it hasn't happened yet. Things that would hinder you, things that would slow down you down or things that would get in the way. So it may seem like, because I've certainly been through those seasons myself, like you're getting an overhaul in every single way. He points at this or he points at that. Now, I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about he gives instructions and it's like you're just hearing one instruction after another. And it's because of the preparation for the pace, the mental. He's preparing us. Yeah. 
for the pace, for the mantle. And once that pace is, she paused, once the door is open for that pace to begin. Do you see it? That's why as we're singing that song, he said, didn't she say something, son, about a door being opened for the mantle? I said, yes. He said, well, you're, you're singing about the door being opened. You've just finished the 2020 storm room year and you've entered into the hall. You've entered in the doorway because when the door opens, the mantle came, the anointing came. So that's why I'm reading it because it, it lines up. Um, and once that pace is, she paused, once the door is open for that pace to begin, that means that a door is going to open and that pace or that mantle will come for the pace to begin. That door opened December 12th. You see how God's talking about it the year before? You won't have time to deal with it, with these distractions then. In fact, if it's not dealt with by then, by the time the door opens, it'll just have the wrong effect. So that's why he's taking this window of time. And he's going to be talking more. And oh, how much more he talked from June 19 to December 20. And he's going to be talking more. And I don't know what it all pertains to, but he's going to be talking more about this and this and this. And it's because, are you listening? He has a high stepping pace in front of you. She, the spirit called it a high stepping pace. A high stepping anointing. Not a regular. Regular pace, regular, regular, but a high stepping. That means there's obstacles. That means there's mountains. That means there's, we need a high stepping pace. It's, it's, it's more than a normal pace. It's more than a normal anointing. It's an increased anointing. Yes. It's a high stepping anointing. Do you see that, my brother and sister? He's going to be talking more about this and this and this because he has a high stepping pace in front of you. When you're, where you're headed. So I guess it would be important to say this. The quicker you make those changes or implement something, whatever it is that he tells you to do, it's all for the pace. Everything is leading up to that mantle. Do you see this? So you know, so you know, haven't you ever seen, haven't you ever been this way in the past seasons? He would deal with us about this or tell us to do this or add this or change this or something. And we felt like we had a buffer of time to do that. But there are certain seasons where we don't have that same buffer of time. And you're getting ready. This is 19. You're getting ready for what? For the pace, for the mantle. And you're getting ready. You're approaching so quickly that, ex that accelerated pace, that accelerated assignment, that mantle. You're approaching it. That means that hasn't happened yet. You're approaching it so quickly. My God. So it's during this time before it, he's going to show one thing after another, things that will help you and things to add in or things to take away. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, I haven't shared this with anybody other than my wife, but I'll say this. When the Lord showed this to me on Wednesday, the 38th day of the fast, he said to me, the fast was always assigned, so it was going to happen anyway. He said, but there was a great necessity for the fast more so because you hadn't dealt with things the way I needed you to deal with them between June 2019 and November 2020. 
there was a much that you hadn't dealt with. So the fast helped break things in a faster, speedier, more aggressive way than regular living. The fast would have done anyway, even if I had of. But the reason for the fast was that much more important because if things weren't dealt with, the mantle wouldn't have been able to come. Now, she was warning me, Taylor. I just didn't clue it all into it. And I wasn't increasing my taking my fleshly shoes off fast enough in the season leading up to the fast, which is why the fast would have happened anyway, but the fast was so important to God because I had to take off the coat, rip the garment, take off the shoes, get all of all the stuff off me in the storm room so that I'm right there standing in my best, clean, ready, and then all of a sudden the door opens and then, then anointing comes. The door opens for the pace to increase. The anointing comes for the pace to increase, a high stepping pace. And we stand now, I've gone through that door and I've literally just taken one step from that doorway. I'm just inside the door and for two, three weeks, I've just been going, hmm, 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 give me some eggnog and some turkey. But now the season has changed and now I need to look around and say, okay, enough gawking, let's get down to business. It's such a pretty room, but I need to start walking into this room. Let's start praying. Let's start dealing with some things. Praise God. I feel it would be remiss, and I'll end with this, but not to give you a scripture. I might give these, uh, I don't know, Lord, what should I do? Because I've written out how many scriptures, quite a lot of scriptures, which I obviously can't read you all. There's, there's nine scriptures that I've written out that I was going to study with you on unity. I don't feel the prompting is to do that today. But maybe I won't give them to you now just in case I do talk about it later. Then I can read some of those scriptures to you later. If I choose not to, I'll read them to you at a later time so you can have them for your reference and look them up on your own. But the one that I do need to read to you is Psalm chapter 133 because that's the one that God spoke to me about this morning very specifically, and he said that that was the main one. So let's, instead of doing all 10, let's just do the one. Psalm 133. Psalm, and I know it's a one that we know very well, but, but there's something extra in here. A song of degrees of David. Behold, 33 verse 1, how good, that just means good. It doesn't mean anything else but good. And pleasant, that means delightful, sweet, beautiful, pleasant, agreeable. How good and how delightful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like, what is the unity like? The precious ointment, the ointment, the word ointment means anointing in the, in the Hebrew, upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garment. So what is the unity like? And what does it produce? The anointing. Now, a lot of people miss verse 3 because they're so focused on the anointing. But there's a, a secondary illustration or symbol used for unity. As the dew, it's like the dew, the dew of Hermon. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Now, what does this word dew mean? If you, if you study the word dew, it, you know what dew is. It's like, it's like that little sprinkling of of, of condensation on the plants, but it, it doesn't, it, it obviously means do, but it also means as, uh, it means to be vegetation that is strewn over everything. So it means the dew, which is refreshing, but it speaks of vegetation because you have dew on vegetation, 
you can have it on the ground too, but it speaks of dew, and in the Hebrew, the image is the vegetation covered in dew, meaning that the dew or the refreshing produces growth. So, and the Lord said to me, which I hadn't seen before, he said, did you notice that it says here that there, the, anoint, the, the, the unity produces and is likened unto the anointing and refreshing and growth. So you want growth in your life? You've got to be in unity. You want refreshing in your life? Doesn't the Bible say in the New Testament, I don't remember this reference, Jenny, but it says times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord, meaning the inferences were here together, worshiping God in unity, and then the presence of God comes and it refreshes us. You want refreshing? You've got to stay in unity. You want growth, you got to stay in unity. You want the anointing to work on your life, whether you're the bottom skirt or whether you're the beard, don't matter, you get the same portion. Just others get it first, but you'll get it. So you want the anointing, you got to be in unity. You want growth, you got to be in unity. You want refreshing and strength, you got to be in unity. Do you see that? Now the Lord said these things to me as I close. He said, did you know, he drew my attention to the word dwell. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And he said, look that word up. And I looked it up and it literally means to sit down, to become established or settled. It also means to remain or even be married. But it means literally to sit down. That's its primary definition. And the Lord said, don't you remember Jesus? And I looked it up. It was in Mark 6, verse 29, for your reference. Don't, don't look it up. Jesus said to the people before he could minister to them the power of God, he said they have to sit down in companies. He said, did you notice that Jesus made them sit down? He wouldn't feed them. In other words, the power couldn't flow right if they were standing. They had to sit down. I said, Lord, I remember that. Did you, now, did you notice that this means it's for brethren to sit down in unity? Yes. And I said, Lord, explain to me, what do you mean? And he, he said a few things to my spirit. He said, do you remember how you always tell Taylor, your son whom you love? Well, he didn't say that, but I added that. And Errol and everybody else in the green room, he said, you notice you're always telling them, sit down. Sit down. You make me nervous when you stand. I say that all the time. Unless I'm having a very fast interaction, if there's anything meaningful, yeah. you have to sit. Yeah. Cocktail parties are not meaningful, yes. but sitting down to a dinner yes. is right. intimate. Yeah. Do you understand the difference? Yeah. He said, you notice how you're always telling people to sit down? He said, why do you think you do that? He said, because you want intimacy. He said, now this is what he said to me. I'm just telling you. He said, when you sit down, he said, notice it says that Jesus, uh, uh, the first martyr, what's his name again? Stephen, Stephen sees Jesus standing. Yeah. But it specifies standing because he used to be sitting. But then, of course, they, when they saw Jesus, Ezekiel and others, they saw him sitting. And the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Why? Sitting down speaks of sitting down in your authority. That's why God said David sat down as a king. You're going to sit down in some things. Right. There's going to come an establishment of authority, right. Right? right? Jesus sat down. Now, why was he standing? Because he as a judge was coming to the defense of Stephen. So he, he stood up from his place to defend him. That's what it meant. But he sits down, it speaks of authority. So the Lord said to me, when the people, first of all, he said, the power of God can't work in the people's lives 
in Promise of Life Church unless they sit down under your authority like they did Jesus with the 5,000 feeding. There must be in their hearts a sitting down. When they sit down, it speaks of an intimacy, Jennifer. It speaks of a pastor, I'm with you. I'm not flighty. I'm not about to bolt out the door. I am here to stay. You see, when you come into unity, you sit. When, when, you, when, you're, when you're standing and you're jittery and you're agitated, and I don't know if you're coming or going or if you're going to leave me in one week or two weeks, that's not unity. When I see people, Jenny, that are like that, they're not in unity with me. When I see people that have, there's just a sense about them like I'm home. This is my home. You're my pastor. You're my spiritual father. I'm home. I'm settled. I've sat down. I'm intimate with you. I'm not going anywhere. This, see, that's unity. Now, so when you, when you have that attitude, what happens? The power of God can flow because Jesus couldn't do it until they sat, right? Secondly, when you have that attitude, not only can the power of God get to you, but number two, you, this is what the Lord said to me this morning. He said, they'll find their place of authority in the realm of the spirit. When they're standing and jittery like this, they don't have a place of authority in that local church. In the spirit, I'm talking about in the realm of prayer where you can turn things because of your praying. But when you sit, you're not just saying, I'm with you, I'm, I'm intimate, I'm here. But you're also saying, I can receive the power of God. You're also saying, number three, I found my place. I have a place in the realm of the Spirit in this house. You don't have a place in the realm of the Spirit if you're like a, a church tramp. Or you're not a church tramp, meaning you're not visiting other churches, but you've got that sense of... You've got to, if you want the intimacy, sit. That's unity. If you want the power to reach you, sit. That's unity. If you want to have your place of authority in the Spirit and find your fit, sit. That's unity. Are you with me? Amen. Praise God. That's the three things he said to me. Intimacy is sitting. Receiving power is sitting. And finding their place of authority is sitting. Agitated people, people that are like this all the time, jittery, they're not in unity. Because they're standing, they're not sitting. That's true. They're making preparation to run instead of to stay. We don't want preparation to run. We want preparation to stay. Remember Jesus said, you're a man, not Jesus, the centurion said to Jesus, you're a man under authority, having soldiers under you. Therefore, you can say, right? I'm a man under authority, sorry, having soldiers under me. Therefore, I can say, so Jesus, you have authority, right? So when you, what is he saying? I am under, I sit under someone and I have others sit under me and I, I can speak. So when you say, pastor, I sit under your authority, and I have things that are under my authority, sickness, devils, this problem, that problem. I have sat down and found my place of authority because I'm under authority, therefore I have authority. Do you understand? So you want things to work right in your life for your confession and your mouth and your command and your dominion to work? You've got to sit under somebody else's authority. So you find your place of authority in the spirit and in your confession by sitting. The power of God can reach you like the feeding of the 5,000 when you're sitting. And there's an intimacy. People say, Pastor, I just don't feel close to you. Well, why don't you sit? The reason you don't feel close to me is because you're standing. You're looking for the exit. Calm down. Did God call you here? Does it feel like home? Is there a bearing of witness? Then get out of your mind and sit. 
Do you like everything about it? No. Do you like everything about me? No. Do I like everything about you? No. But we're still called to be together, so sit. Not every big dinner party, you like every single person at the thing, and you have everything in common with every single person. So you sit beside people that you enjoy. So you can still be in a group, a large group. You don't know everybody. You don't like everybody. You don't, you're never going to be intimate with everybody. But you can, you can, be, you can have relationships with people that you, that you trust. Amen. Do you understand? There's an intimacy. There's a power that comes to you. There's an authority that comes to you, both to pray and deal with things, and as you confess because of your own dominion when you sit. How pleasant and precious and delightful it is for brethren to sit together in unity. It's like the anointing, because it will come, and it's like the refreshing and the growth, because it will come. Unity is critical. Hallelujah. I'm telling you something about it. We have, I'm giving the call for the power for you to respond to unity. Stay with me. This is, this is, you say, well, that, why, that, I know why you're preaching it, because there's nobody there, and you're afraid the whole church is going to leave you. <laughs> Th- that would be a very natural mental ascent, and, 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 but that's not really the truth, because I did not plan on talking about this at all. This morning, the Lord said, talk about unity, so he wants it talked about. So I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, that the rider, the noise of the rider is calling, stay with me. I'm telling you, the Bible says in Psalm 33, if you'll sit down in unity, if you'll just relax and calm down and sit, the power will get to you, the authority will work with you better, and the intimacy will be developed with your pastor and with the congregation. And I'm reminding you that this open door that we've come through the storm, little place, we've taken off our fleshly garments, and we've come through that door, Pastor Nancy prophesied, when the door opens, the pace will begin. The door has opened. The pace has begun. The mantle has come for the pace. Glory to God. And we've taken one step in. The door is now closed. And we're looking around. And we're gawking. And we've had a few weeks to gawk. But now the Lord said, get moving. Pull up your socks. It's time to work. It's time to explore that room. Praise God. That's my message. It wasn't what I planned on, but it's what I believe the Holy Ghost is pleased with. So as I close now, and we'll transition in a second, let me tell you something that I was going to tell in the announcements, but now it fits better here. If you would put that screen up about the Sunday morning service. This morning, the Lord said to me, uh, when I was praying this morning, He said, now I'm not speaking for long-term future. Things can change. This is the problem that we do. We, we, we hear one thing, and then we assume it's for everything. And then you misinterpret and then you wash the whole board with it, and then you get in trouble. God did not tell me that this is forever. He just said in this immediate season, so he will obviously speak again at times to come. Put the camera back on me now. I want you to know that the Lord said to me clearly this morning when I was praying, he said, when the 30% resumes, I do not want you having a 1 p.m. service. And I said, Lord, why? We need the more people to get in here. That's my mind thinking, right? And he said something to me. And I'm telling you, this was profound. He said these words to me. He said, having people come into the building to hear a sermon is a part of unity, but it's not the highest. He said, having someone come into, he emphasized the building, the gathering place. Then he emphasized the message. Having people hear the message in person with their live ears and agree with the message is also unity, but it's not the highest. See, I've been focusing on the lower measure of unity. Let's get as many people in and, and it don't matter what they hear, let's let them hear something at the same time. And the Lord said, both those are measures of unity, but they're lower. He said, the highest, I'm telling you, 
He said the highest measure of unity is when one message is preached and everybody hears the same thing. He said, you cannot preach one message when you do two services because even though you may try to reproduce it, it never comes out the same and the anointing is never quite the same on the second. Sometimes it's stronger, sometimes it's weaker, sometimes the message is different. He said, going into this season, are you listening? Because I'm speaking to you by the Spirit. This is what God said to me. Now, if you trust me as your leader, you need to trust that I'm hearing from God. He said to me as clearly as I'm talking to you, very clearly in my spirit, I heard these words. The highest flow of unity is not just sermons that people are hearing whenever they're there. It's one message from my spirit going forth and everybody listening to one message, being in agreement with that message and then running with that Amen. message. He said, you cannot accomplish that with two services. Now, he didn't say we're not doing two services maybe down the road. Let's not misinterpret and put our own interpretation of what God said. He just said for right now. He didn't even say when we're all back at 100% capacity. He just said 30%. So that might change at 100%. I don't know. But he said for now, he said you need to do one sermon. Now, listen. I said, but Lord, they don't always listen. And he said, they all listened when you came back on December 13th. We had the highest viewage ever in the history of our church on that day. I said, yes, but Lord, that was a special occasion. I'm telling you, because I talk to God that way. I'm not arguing with him, but I am, I'm, I'm talking to him. I'm, I'm giving him my, my, my opinion. He said, he knows I'm going to do whatever he says at the end of the day, but I need to understand, I need to get behind it. I said, but Lord, that was a special occasion. And this is what he said to me. He said, the fact that they did it on a special occasion means that if they want to do it, they can. It's not your job to try to make, it's not you up to, how did he say it? It's not your responsibility if they don't want to. But if they want to, they've already proved to you that they can. So if you have low viewership, it's not your problem because they just don't want to. Because when they wanted to, they could. It's like the, it's like the guy getting up, he doesn't want to get up at six in the morning for anything else, but when he has a golf tea time at 6.30, he'll be up at 5.45 because he wants to play golf, Right? So if you want to watch, you've already proved that you'll do it. Whether you do it all the time or not is up to you. That's not my problem. And I'm not held responsible to God for that. He said, if they want to watch, they will. But it is better for the, for the anointing as a whole. It's better for unity as a whole to preach one sermon. Even if there's only 120 people here and the vast majority, three quarters of the church are not here, just tell the three quarters that are not here to watch because they watched on the 13th. So tell them to watch. And if they have a hungry heart and if they will stay with, stay with me, if they will stay in unity and stay seated, they will watch. And it is better to have one message with three quarters not here and one quarter here than to have two messages with one quarter here, one quarter here, and the other two quarters are somewhere gone because they don't even watch half the time. So I'm telling you, we're, we're not doing 1 p.m. again unless he tells us to. But for the 30% season, which we know it's not going to jump from 0 to 100, they're going to do a 30% again for a season of time. So whenever that starts, February, March, whenever it is, hopefully February, we're doing one service, 10 a.m., and I'm asking the rest of you that aren't here to watch. We'll do a another service Wednesday night, and we'll rotate. That means everybody will only be able to come to church once every two weeks. And then as I settled that, I was feeling good about that. And then I heard the Holy Ghost say in my heart, some of this was last night, some of this was this morning. I heard the Holy Ghost say in my heart, uh, check, check to see what your pastor does. 
So I called Taylor and I said, what do they do out there at WHC? Do they do two services? And lo and behold, that not one time since March 2020 to present have they changed their schedule at all. They do one service on the Sunday morning and they do one service midweek. And if the people want to watch, they watch. If they don't want to watch, they don't watch. And they're not catering to anything else because Pastor Nancy understands the power that when you speak forth one message under the anointing, it is more valuable than two or three messages that people are not even really getting because they're not tuning in. If you know you're not coming for one, you'll be more inclined to watch 10. If you know you're not coming Wednesday night because you're not scheduled, you'll be more inclined to watch Sunday morning at 10. Amen? Amen. Praise God.